Hello everyone, welcome to my podcast. First of all, I would like to clarify that there is no editing involved in my podcast because I don't have that kind of luxurious time. And second thing, I'm intending to use these podcasts as a tool for, you know, audio uh, revision. And I hope that the purpose is served. So, right into the discussion of the topic. The topic that I will be discussing today is neurology. And neurology is such a high yield topic. It includes uh, many, many topics like neurodegenerative disorders, Alzheimer's disease, spinal cord syndromes, and the consequences of central nervous system lesions to upper and lower motor neurons, and etc. etc. So, neurology is one of the toughest subjects, and because of the broad range of information that must be mastered. Uh, unfortunately, there is no way to comprehensively cover all the information that you must know for neurology. Um, the best prepared students use a mix of review, so I'll be using this review and practice, practice and practice while studying. And you'll sharpen your intuition and minimize your efforts on test day. So, beginning with the basic concepts. yes so the basic basic thing is like what is motor unit right so okay first of all i will discuss how are we going to approach the cases like determine if the whenever we are approaching the case we have to determine if the problem is central or peripheral central lesions will present as asymmetric symptoms whereas peripheral lesions will present as symmetric if uh, okay after you know determining the whether the problem is central or peripheral next thing that we would look into is if it is central what is the level it could be in the cerebrum cortical or subcortical it could be in the brainstem or it could be in the spinal cord brainstem will usually have a cranial nerve finding whereas spinal cord lesions will have no facial symptoms and if it is peripheral then we have to look if it is uh, in the peripheral nerve or neuromuscular junction or muscle so here is a case a 45 year old man presents with a six month history of generalized muscle weakness trouble swallowing that is dysphagia and difficulty speaking dysarthria when reaching above his head to reshelf heavy board review books he experiences arm weakness and accompanied by shoulder muscle cramps and neck cramps. His dysphagia and dysarthria manifest as difficulty swallowing both liquids and solids and a slow, strange speech pattern. Okay, so this is the case. Then how are we going to approach this case? So we can see that this is a case of, uh, you know, suspected motor neuron disease. And consider that a lesion causing muscle weakness could occur at the level of motor neuron, neuromuscular junction or muscle. For example, differential diagnosis for muscle weakness, dysarthria and dysphagia may include uh, uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, a disease of motor neurons, myasthenia gravis, an autoimmune attack at the neuromuscular junction or polymyositis, an inflammatory disease of muscle. 
so suspected motor neuron disease can be investigated for you know upper motor neuron or lower motor neuron signs okay continuing with the case the neurologic exam reveals a strange combination of flaccid and spastic paralysis as well as hypo and hyperreflexia diffuse muscle wasting and fasciculations are visible on the lateral aspects of the tongue sensation is intact to all modalities in all areas tested a mini mental status examination is within normal limits for the patient's age and cultural background although he does have difficulty articulating so we can conclude that this is uh, you know upper motor neuron because it is clearly mentioned about the hyperreflexia and also about the spastic paralysis so upper motor neuron signs are uh, spastic paralysis hyperreflexia and clonus so notice this patient has spastic paralysis and hyperreflexia and why are the signs of hyperreflexia and spastic paralysis and clonus seen in upper motor neurons the most widely accepted theory is that upper motor neurons are tonically inhibitory to lower motor neurons such that the disruption of upper motor neurons will disinhibit that is allow activation of lower motor neurons this makes the motor component of the dtrs more active and increases baseline muscle tone which increases resistance to passive movement okay so the case is also having you know combination of flaccid and also hyperreflexia so these are the lower motor neuron signs in this patient uh, the muscle when a lower motor neuron is damaged the muscle it innervates is no longer tonically stimulated which results in muscle atrophy and reduced tone that is hypotonia the denervated muscle also exhibits flaccid paralysis the muscles have decreased resistance to passive movement or manipulation and the efferent part of the dtrs is blunted so the dtrs are weak or absent that is hyperreflexia note a lower motor neuron can be evaluated by electromyography and nerve conduction studies so continuing on the case serum analysis is negative for antibodies to acetylcholine that means you know um, the neuromuscular disorders are ruled out cerebrospinal fluid analysis is negative for oligoclonal bands of immunoglobins elevated proteins or white blood cells that is csf is normal then magnetic resonance of the brain and spinal cord appears normal so what is the most likely diagnosis so the diagnosis of this case is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or lau gehrig disease which is a chronic neurodegenerative disease of both upper motor neurons and lower motor neurons resulting in progressively worsening muscle weakness which causes disability and ultimately death within 3 to 5 years so causes of death typically include respiratory failure aspiration pneumonia resulting from respiratory muscle weakness and skin ulcers from weakness induced immobility causing systemic infection and deep vein thrombosis due to weakness induced immobility causing pulmonary thromboembolism so myotrophic means muscle enlargement amyotrophia means muscle atrophy and lateral sclerosis refers to palpable hardness of the lateral corticospinal tracts of the spinal cord at autopsy
so why are the magnetic resonance imaging and cerebrospinal findings notable the absence of periventricular plaques on mri and oligoclonal bands in cf makes the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis much less likely because most multiple sclerosis patients have these findings another important distinction between multiple sclerosis and als is that als affects only motor system whereas multiple sclerosis affects both motor and sensory system the distinction between these diseases is important although both are incurable als is relentlessly progressive whereas ms that is multiple sclerosis have a more variable course so what do you think the muscle biopsy of this patient shows so muscle biopsy shows type 1 denervation atrophy with residual hypertrophic fibers so what process leads to findings in this biopsy so atrophied and angulated fibers reflect denervation due to death of innervating motor neurons this this death of an entire group of neighboring muscle fibers of the same type because they are innervated by same motor neuron is called group atrophy it occurs with disease progression what would myosin adenosine triphosphate staining of the specimen show this histologic stain would distinguish type 1 from type 2 muscle fibers so normally this different types of muscle fibers will be intermingled in a checkerboard like pattern owing to the innervation of adjacent muscle fibers by different anterior horn motor neurons so however when muscle fibers lose their motor innervation as a result of death of anterior horn cells the axons that innervate neighboring muscle fibers will sprout new axons and take over the denervated fibers this leads to type grouping in which muscle fibers of the same type are grouped together with loss of checkerboard pattern so what are the principal pathologic findings in als this is the most important question and i think 15 minutes will be enough for this so i just hope you are hanging in along with me so loss of pyramidal cells in the motor cortex and fibrosis of lateral spinal corticospinal tracts are the pathologic findings in als affected muscles show denervation atrophy with muscle fiber type grouping upon reinnervation there is typically sparing of sensory tracts and cognitive function which explain why this patient's mental status and sensory function are both completely normal of note the physicist stephen hawking suffers from a rare slowly progressive form of this disease extraocular muscles are also often spared leaving some patient with severe disease progression no means of communication other than eye movements So patient with ALS typically have very poor prognosis and the disease is fatal within a few years of diagnosis. Reliuzole an antagonist of presynaptic glutamate release. Presynaptic glutamate release antagonist. This is the only approved pharmacologic treatment and increases survival by few months at best. And why might you expect electromyography and uh, I mean what might you expect electromyography and nerve conduction studies to show in this patient electromyography could indicate element involvement by revealing signs of you know denervation fibrillation potentials fibrillations are invisible contraction of single muscle fibers seen on emg only fasciculations are involuntary contractions of one or more muscle units which are often visible and may also be present in element needle lesions notice this patient had fasciculations often visible on the tongue 
In contrast to myasthenia gravis, where nerve conduction studies are grossly abnormal at disease onset, ALS patients typically have normal nerve conduction studies in the early stage of disease. However, later in disease course, the studies resemble myasthenia gravis with lower motor neurons showing reduced response to repetitive stimulation and sensory nerves are usually entirely preserved in both the diseases. Is ALS more commonly inherited or acquired? ALS is more commonly acquired, although the precise cause of the acquired form remains unknown. Of note, one of the familial forms have been associated with mutations in zinc or copper superoxide dismutase 1 gene, which plays an important role in scavenging free radicals in metabolically active cells such as neurons. So why is ALS often confused with syringomyelia and vice versa? So ALS is often confused with syringomyelia and vice versa because both conditions typically present with progressive weakness of the muscles. Syringomyelia is a disease marked by enlargement of central canal of cervical spinal cord. This leads to destruction of anterior horn cells in the upper cells of spinal cord resulting in atrophy of intrinsic hand muscles. Because atrophy and weakness of hand muscles are early signs of both ALS and syringomyelia, the disease presentations are often confused. However, enlargement of central canal in syringomyelia also affects the decussating fibers of the anterolateral spinothalamic tract, resulting in bilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation in the upper extremities. ALS, on the other hand, has no sensory changes. So this is how you're going to differentiate ALS and syringomyelia. Okay, so now a quick summary of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Clinical presentation is one of the chronic degeneration of upper and lower motor neurons, generally without sensory or cognitive involvement. Pathologic examination shows degeneration of pyramidal cells in the motor cortex and fibrosis of lateral tract. Muscle biopsy shows type grouping and group atrophy of muscle fibers. Most cases are acquired. One familial form is associated with superoxide dismutase 1 mutations. ALS and serongomalia both result in hand muscle atrophy. Serongomalia also results in bilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation, while ALS is not associated with sensory changes. ALS is a unique neurodegenerative disease in which patients experience both upper motor neuron and lower motor neuron symptoms. So this was it. Thank you.